Welcome back to another episode of Watch. This is Dina here with my pals Will and Rachel. And today we're going to be recapping chapters 31 to 34 of Araya and Rain's adventure. And we're going to be covering uh, some of the post-Half Moon trial drama. We get a little bit of a makeover montage. We get a party, lots of flirting, and we get some soup that is so good that some might say it's orgasmic. And, well, I think you're going to take us back into our world. We're back. We're back in the world of uh, <laughs> Serpent and the Wings. And the night wing and the wings of night serpent and the wings of night whose wings we we don't know which wings they are they could be anybody's wings mm. just off the top we're gonna very briefly cover the most content warning e part of the book the book says the content warning is for withdrawn consent but it is i think a pretty fundamental aspect of oriah's character and so we need to at least like cover it so basically it's a flashback to her teenage years but tldr oriah falls for a young recently turned vampire he falls for her the kind of normal course of events happen and she's very excited one night to lose her virginity to him this is like her decision she's like excited yeah however as that is happening it starts great but he gets overtaken by bloodlust and she asks him to stop and he doesn't and so she hits him over the head and gets away but it's like obviously quite traumatic she runs to her father this gets picked up later but after hearing her story quote he made a decision in that moment we're left on that bit of a cliffhanger with that said let's move on we ended last episode at the half moon trial as they step through the shimmering gateway back into the half what's it called the moon palace into the moon Moon palace Palace. there's a lot of moon titles going on it's hard to keep up night castle moon palace duh will so obvious what is what is the name of the city sorry i have no idea sivrinage i have no idea how to sivrinage yeah great anyway we cut to the moon palace 11 have survived. The last contestant through the gleaming portal is Ibrahim. Sweet, sweet Ibrahim. Our sweet boy. (laughs) Who's actually not that sweet because it turned out he killed his partner Mm -hmm. as he stepped through the portal because only half of the people are allowed. So his eyes seem, quote, far away and empty. But at the same time, he's not that broken up about it. I found this quite tragic because in my little fanfic... His partner was his male lover, so it's extra tragic. Oh, well, I'm so sad for you and all of us and Ibrahim. And Ibrahim. Minister is there. He congratulates them. He tells them there will be a feast in their honor at the Nyaxia church that night because they have made it through to the final rounds. Everyone's sort of exhausted, though. So Oriah and Rain go back to their apartment. (laughs) No, it's still their apartment. Mm -hmm. Misha is gone. It's quiet. And Araya is hit with two sudden realizations. Realization the first, not only did she really care about Rain, as evidenced by her willingness to throw herself into a dangerous situation to defend him during the trial, but because their minds were melted, she knows he feels the same. (gasps) And realization the second is that it's a vamp-eat-vamp world now. (laughs) No more allies. Either he would kill me or I would kill him. Okay, can this I just, just say, very too, dramatic. if I were her, wouldn't you hope that, like, he just gets eaten by a demon or something? Like, it's not necessarily that you're going to oh, kill Oh, you mean someone other. else kills Right, like, him? somebody else could kill one of them. But she seems very intent on 
the idea that one of them is going to have to kill each other. Mm. True. I mean, granted, yeah. neither of them are going to kill each other. They're, they obviously need to, you know, have sex first, at least. But yes, technically yeah. speaking, other things could happen. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, we do know our girl, Araya, has a tendency towards the melodramatic. So I feel like her <laughs> mind is just going to what would be the most Shakespearean possible right. outcome here. Right. So Rain sort of senses this tension, but just tells her to go rest for dinner. And he's going to go ready in a different apartment. They're kind of tired, so the banter is not that great. <laughs> we shall skip it. Um, but Relatable. this is an important moment because I think, yeah, <laughs> true. I think Dina mentioned this in the first episode, but this is when our girl finally gets her glow up. I've been which waiting. Which is an important part. Yes, oh. I've been waiting this whole time for our makeover yeah. montage, and we finally get it. She gets to put on a hot dress because the Moon Palace steals all of the other clothes from her. So she yeah, has no, no other there are multiple. Weird, it's like so. The so Minister had this cryptic line saying the Moon Palace will provide, but he's not wrong. So first of all. She shows up in their healing potions and dressings for her wounds. There's a hot bath with 17 different scents of soaps. Uh, um, it's giving, like, Harry Potter prefects bathroom. Oh, that's funny. I was thinking room of requirement from Harry Potter, but prefix bathroom is is better. Elite. With shirtless Harry Potter. Yes. Ew. He was, like, kind of... I remember being attracted to him in that movie when I was a kid. Well, I support you in your journey. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, and then she gets out and there is a gown. And Dean is correct. The palace has stolen the rest of her clothing to give her no choice but to wear this gown. The Moon Palace and I are on the same page. The fabric was smooth and silky and a dark, rich violet. A strangely familiar shade I couldn't place. Hmm. Which, by the way, she would immediately know what it would remind her of. Yeah, so it's, it's obviously Alana's scarf. Which we'll get to in a second. But the front fell I'm I'm quoting from the book, by the way. Not from memory. Thank you for giving us the full montage, Will. I appreciate it. I was gonna ask, so I'm really glad that you're providing. <laughs> the front fell into a deep V, the top structured enough to define the curve of my breasts. It was held up by black metal chain straps, and that same glistening ebony metal encircled the bodice. What's a bodice? I wanted to ask. <laughs> it's like the torso it's like the tight torso section. Like, kind of like a corsetti part. Right. Okay. I think. Okay. The back was low and open, the long chains crossing over my back. The skirt pooled slightly around my feet, which donned delicate silver sandals. Though the dress clung to my body, it wasn't restrictive. I nearly felt naked in the light, airy fabric, and it easily moved with me, the violet rippling like water through shades of black and purple. That's good. I love to not be restricted in like a hot form fitting dress. I don't really know. Again, that's some that's some sorcery because I was going to say this seems like peak magic. That's some magical <laughs> thinking right there cuz in reality, we've got the tit tape out. We are <laughs> we got the tit tape taping those titties in. We are not the most comfy. So I'm really happy for her that she kind of feels unrestricted and probably like ready to stab somebody if she needs to. That's a really good point. I've had things go terribly wrong in dresses like that, doing much less activity than she normally does. So, Godspeed to her. How often do you need to use tape or some adhesive adjacent tool on, like, fancy gowns? I think whenever you get the girls out in that fashion, which, to be fair, I don't really do that. Ah, I've done it. 
<laughs> Anytime you have like that low deep V where you're showing like the it's like the deep V and the cleavage is like the side of your boobs, like mm. you want to tape that in. It's almost sort of like malpractice if you don't tape those titties in. Yeah, I typically engage in malpractice because I'm running late or can't find the tape and then regret it afterwards when I'm on a dance floor. And that is on brand for you, Dina. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you for that educative experience. Mm-hmm. You're really um. you're going to learn a lot, I think, on this journey. Mm-hmm. You're going to you you're already learning a lot about sort of womanhood and I think you're going to learn even more. Yeah, womanhood. Thank you for demonstrating your your allyhood every every day. Yeah, and you're I'm learning about Gaia's children. And you're really being I really appreciate your eagerness to learn and your curiosity, so thank you. I just wanted to like sort of affirm that. Yeah, oh, thanks. So, as Dina mentioned, there is well, there's one edition. There's actually two editions that Orion makes this outfit. First of all, she does realize the color reminds her of Alana's scarf. And she goes and gets the scarf and, like, wears it around. Which I thought would look kind of dumb in this. Extremely. But whatever. I think it maybe looks cool because it's, like, still covered in dried blood. And so it's like, look at me, I'm hot. But I also will walk around with dried blood on me because I'll kill you. Yeah, it's like a big fuck you. Yeah. But yeah, aesthetically, I have some questions. Right. But I think it's one of those things we're going to pick. We're just going to say no, no, no in our head. It's 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 hot. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And then so the second edition is she brings her daggers because she always does. And then we get to sort of the centerpiece of this part of the book, which is the feast at Neaxia's church. So Ori shows up late. Which is relatable because I would never go to an event like this without texting everyone I knew who's going to be there to make sure that they got there ahead of me. Right. Then find out their ETA, then track them and find my friends, then make sure you show up 15 minutes after them. <laughs> right. And like, <laughs> and try and be chill about, of course, tech, like find, finding out their ETA. Like, hey, like, no big deal, but what precisely is the time <laughs> you will be arriving? <laughs> like, to the minute, please. 100%. They have decked out this church. Even Oriah is impressed, whose upbringing kind of shows when, in the course of describing this party that they've laid out, she says, even though there was only one orchestra, magic <laughs> enhanced its performance. I'm going to be like, more than one orchestra? Like, an orchestra has 60 people in it. What are you Wait, talking Wait, I totally about? missed that line, and I just... Like, it's like a string quartet is, like, one thing, but you wanted, like, multiple orchestras... That's psychotic. Our sweet Nepo baby. She's perfect. There are ivy vines with red and black flowers creeping up the pillars. There's a dance floor. There's also some tables set up for an eating section where there is so, so, so much blood. There's alcoholic blood. There's flavored blood. There's blood baked into food. It's in all kinds of, you know, bowls and carafes and golden basins. But anyway, I think as far as vampires go, this is like a peak feast. At this point, Daddy Night King swoops in. She has, let's say, conflicting impulses. On the one hand, good to see Dad. On the other hand, his henchwoman did torture her friend slash crush. Right, that does make things a little complicated. Mm-hmm. He does a kind of unwoke dad thing about why are you wearing that? And he means it in, you know, the sense of vampires will want to eat you or whatever, but it seems quite analogous to... It's like the, where's the rest? Are you going to go up and put the rest of that dress on? You know? Yeah. Like, don't ask for it vibes. Yeah. But he sort of gets over it, and he offers to dance with her, which sort of throws her, because I don't think they do this. Before she says yes, she brings up Rain, 
And she's trying to do it in a way that's not obvious it's about rain. So she says, why did you torture my partner? That could have hurt me. Smart. But I don't think it's very <laughs> convincing. Yeah, no. Anyway, he has, some, he has some excuse about how rain fought fine, so get off my back. Also, we're at war, so, you know, executive power is sort of at its height in that situation. He's like, my war is more important than your tournament to the death, Araya. Yeah, that I that I put you in. <laughs> um, anyhow, she compartmentalizes. Literally, I think the book says something about she divided her mind up into different rooms, and she agrees to dance. And he's sort of explaining that he's proud of her, and he has a kind of big old, like, sending your kid to college moment, where he says, I can't take credit for everything that you've become, Oriah, even if sometimes I wish I could. But if I'm responsible for just one small piece of that, it will have been the greatest accomplishment of my life. I would die of cringe if a parent of mine said that to my face. I know, but it is like, man, he sucks, but he does love her. Yeah. No, I think he does. And she she has this, I think you're getting this dawning sense that their arrangement where she sort of follows his lead out of blind faith and trust that he is looking out for her interests is maybe coming to an end. And she's not ready to end it, but she can sort of see the threads fraying. Yeah, it's definitely one of those, and things were never the same after that yeah. moment. I think the going off to college is such a good example of it. And he can't say the L word. No, of course not. But we get oh, it. No. And Araya gets it. It's like, if Araya was a boy, the Night King would kind of pat her on the shoulder mm-hmm. and like blink away tears and be like, have fun, son. <laughs> I really like your Vincent voice. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. They do another dance, but she sees Rain head out to the patio and immediately is like, I need to go see Rain. (laughs) Which, you know, when you have that feeling about someone, you just do that. Oh, yeah. She heads out to the patio, which is in the gardens. The gardens are beautiful. Instead of Rain... She sees Angelica and Cigarillo Man. Did we talk about Cigarillo Man? Did I just block No, I was supposed to talk about him, I believe. I'll take that ownership. And I I simply did not because I was like, okay, there's like a guy as Cigarillo. I guess we'll find out later. (laughs) No, I think this is a good time to do a little intro. Okay, let's see if we can remember. So I guess at one point before maybe the half moon or another trial... She was walking outside the Moon Palace and ran into this mysterious figure who offered her a cigarillo and said something about how he had made a lot of money betting on her. But I think that's kind of all we learn in that encounter. Yep. Right. I think that's correct. That's why I didn't right. talk about it. And here, Cigarillo Man is talking to Angelica and more than talking to Angelica, it seems to be summarily dismissing Angelica at his whim. And so immediately, Ariat clocks he is maybe important. And he also looks clearly like a blood porn, which is not something I think she tracked the last time. Question. Mm-hmm. We all know I don't pay attention to these things. The Rishin and the Hiage have their, you know, heirs. Do the Bloodborns, are they like on the same level as them? It's like same thing? Or they're just sort of like a weird cursed like other? I don't think, I don't think we know TBH. Okay. So they're the Knight, the Shadow. Shadowborn. The Shadowborn. Who's, I think all we really know about them is they dress kind of cool. Yeah, and they're, like, kind of smart. They seem like another kingdom. Yep. And then the Bloodborne is also a separate kingdom, but they're out of favor with Neaxia. 
hence their blood curse. I would assume they have their own heirs, but I don't think we know that. Cigarillo Man reveals his name is Septimus. He is a prince of the Bloodborne. So he's not just a random rich guy who smokes and bets on young humans right. in Tournaments of the Death. He offers his hand, which I guess is kind of creepy because if you're a human, you don't want to take a vampire's hand. But Rain, fortunately, shows up just in time. There's like a little aside about how he steps very close to her and she mm-hmm. has to not be obvious. She's like, I really wanted just to like look at him, but I, I was trying to play it cool. <laughs> Rain has this kind of boy boss suit on, although we, we learn later it's two centuries out of date. But it's pretty clear Septimus and Rain know each other. And Rain is not the friendliest to this guy. But then Septimus has his own card to play. And he goes, oh, I wonder now that you're no longer on a team, who should I bet on? Someone uneducated might think it would be easy for you to kill her, Rain. But I think Nessanine has a good chance of, oh, I'm sorry. It's Oriah, isn't it? Oh, come on. We all see right through that one. Okay, but can I just take a pause? I would like to remind the listeners, I have not finished the book yet. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to find out more about about yeah. this gal. This does happen again. Angelica does this again to Rain later. And I did notice it then, but I didn't notice it this time. It's so, so obvious because I feel like everyone in this world knows who Oriah is. She's super famous. She's vampire celebrity. Right. He's been right. betting on her for weeks now like he obviously knows her name i just feel like that like changes the the inflection of the joke you know or the like the little jab or whatever yeah he thinks he's being like so sneaky yeah he's he's just it's very cringe Ariah, much like our sweet rage doesn't know who nessanine is and so in her head is like nessanine i don't know Ariah asks Rain after Septimus leaves why Septimus is here and Rain seems to like know more than he wants to let on. There's like a beat of hesitation, but then he says like the House of Blood wants power more than anything. Even small alliances go a long way, which I think is a reference to the fact that they are estranged from the rest of vampire society. And it's like, how do Septimus and Rain know each other? Like, how does Rain know this about him? Yeah, there's some beef. I wonder, like, how many vampires there are. Like, do you just, like, see each other all the time at the same parties or something? It definitely doesn't seem like it. At least the Bloodborne, right? Like, they're not really allowed to do the same things. I guess that's true. Yeah, Araya, I don't think I've seen them that often before. Yeah. Anyway, Araya asks who Nessanine is, Rain does his classic non-answer. And then, probably to distract her, and partly because he knows she'll say yes, asks if she wants to go somewhere more fun. And she does say yes because, you know, you can't say no. You're not Mm going to say no. No, you got to go flirt. So they leave the party thrown in their honor for a roof in the human district where they're looking at the moon. They got more beer, presumably, from there. It's honestly, the human districts, say what you will, seems like a kind of open carry situation. Open carry. Do you mean like open container? Because they definitely are open carrying, but I think you mean open open container. container. Yeah. But But they definitely are also open carrying (laughs) yeah oh man so they're sitting on the roof they're watching the human district the moonlight casts a shine over his face 
she's memorized every detail she says is this like a thing you do when you can picture things in your head like have you memorized no. someone's every de- yeah okay me personally no if you ask <laughs> done in my head what color my boyfriend of several years eyes are i honestly couldn't tell you are they blue like probably but i actually no i don't <laughs> actually know i don't think they are but I really don't know. Yeah, I think Araya is more observant than I am. She's a very observant person. We have sort of talked about this before. Uh, Rain shirt is unbuttoned to his sternum, which is another like stern. Is that the thing like below? It's like your sternum right I think below, it, below your rib cage. It. It's above your like it's between your rib cage. It's like it's like that part where when they taught you to do CPR. Like oh, oh, maybe. Oh, that makes more sense. It's actually like right here. It's okay, like a long I was wrong. Bone. So like, there are there are options in terms of like how but, far but it's Dina, down. But Dina, this is a, this is not a visual yeah. medium. So I you know need to, it's a it's a bone explain. in between your boobs that's going up and down. Right. Okay. So if it's if it's unbuttoned to the bottom of the sternum, then that's so, like quite racist. Right. Well, I did that was originally <laughs> when you when you said that originally, I did picture him it being like literally unbuttoned like to his belly button, and I like <laughs> yeah, visibly same. cringed. I was like. <laughs> But no, okay. Okay, this is a little bit more acceptable. Are we in Vampire World or, like, the Jersey Shore? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, a deep unbutton regardless. He does a, like, complete checking her out. Like, a full gaze up and down, ending with his eyes resting on her thighs, just, like, staring at her thighs. And then he looks at her and he says, Dangerous. (laughs) Ooh. sorry i'm not good at that kind of thing no i thought it was really good <laughs> sometimes he's really good with his like flirty banter and then sometimes i'm like oh my god rain honey <laughs> real it is yeah okay wait well because we're not done so he says dangerous and there's a pause <laughs> and then he says but resourceful because it turns out he's not just staring at her crotch i mean he is but she he has strapped thighs. thighs. Sorry. Those are different. <laughs> but I mean. Right, right. Sorry. Staring yeah, his yeah. way, like on his way to staring at her garage. Yeah. Um, she strapped her daggers. It seems pretty high up on her thighs. So he has like an excuse. Yeah. To comment on it. And then, I don't know, I thought this kind of broke the mood. But he tells her what Alana's scarf smells like. <laughs> and Ugh. Yeah. With his it's vampire like, mm, your thighs are so palette. hot. Also, you smell like death. Right, yeah. <laughs> Initially, he says, well, this smells like the moon palace, and that upsets her. Mm. And then he realizes his error. So he claims, I sort of feel like he's making this shit up to he's dig himself out of a hole. <laughs> yeah, He's like, well, it also smells like other good things, like, you know, like flowers and like, I forget what he actually said. But like, it nice works. save, buddy. Doesn't She's he do touched. that thing, though, where he's like, and it also, it's hard to tell because it also smells like you. And he's like <laughs> freaking out at like intensely smelling her. And like, yeah, it's weird, but it works for her. She's yeah. touched. And then he apologizes for Alana's death, I guess, like on behalf of all vampire kind. Wow. Ally. So sort of woke bay. Yeah. They start talking about, which I think is a conversation that will come up again at some point, but. They start talking about what Oriah will do if she wins the competition. And even though she obviously shouldn't be telling this to a potential rival, she admits to wanting to be changed into a vampire. And he says, don't be so quick to throw away your humanity. You might miss it once it's gone. Sweet boy. Yeah, he's he's sweet. He misses his own humanity. He tells her it's a travesty that anyone convinced her she needs to be anything other than what she is. 
Which, like, yeah, she shouldn't be in this death competition. <laughs> but we love him for preaching, you know, self-love, self-acceptance. Yeah, no, he has his qualities. He has mostly good qualities, I feel like. They leave. He's like, do you want to go on a walk? And it's kind of funny because I'm like, at first I thought, didn't they just do this? They just left for privacy. Like, why do they need more? But I feel like this is a kind of like, you know, early crush. I guess he's 200 something years old. But, <laughs> you know, you just like, like no one knows who should make the move and how. And so you just kind of end up hanging out until like 3.30 in the morning. Right. It doesn't make any sense. Right. Mm -hmm. They go for a walk. And he takes off his sword and starts unbuttoning more of his clothes. And the curious reader might wonder, is it finally happening? Is this tension that has been building about to be cut? Is our girl going to get laid? Alack, no. Not yet. Ugh. Rain is, it becomes clear, offering himself up to her to kill him if she wishes. And this, like, really happens to turn Uriah on. But I think there's, like, this question, because Uriah obviously doesn't kill him. Like, does he know that? Is he genuinely offering her the opportunity to kill him and thus save, presumably, her own life and perhaps win the competition and achieve all her dreams? Or does he just want her to think that he's willing to offer that because he knows how in love she is with him? I mean, you know, I want to believe... And I think I could plausibly maybe believe that he means it, but unfortunately, trust issues, you know, I'm, I think it could be a manipulation, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, you guys have finished the book again. <laughs> I'm still waiting for him to betray her. For the record, I do want to go on record if I've not been clear before that this is clearly an enemies to lovers to enemies to lovers which is actually one of the best spins on enemies to lovers. You do it twice. So obviously it's enemies to lovers, enemies to lovers. You can neither confirm nor deny. Interesting that you say it, that you are down for it, because we'll talk about this later on. Anyway. Okay. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Okay, I think he wouldn't have actually let her kill him, but I think he is trying to genuinely show her that she can trust him and that he feels safe around her and that she should feel safe around him. So maybe that is actually manipulative. <laughs> It could be one of those things where he maybe thinks he's being genuine, but is actually being manipulative, you know? Mm, a classic man move. Yeah. Their relationship is fraught because of the <laughs> the fact that they're supposed to kill each other in this competition. So this whole, like, will you kill me, will you not kill me thing is happening, obviously, while he's undressing and they're sort of very close to each other. Oriah is describing what happened. Quote, our bodies were nearly flush. The smell of him surrounded me. It hit me. What that element of it I hadn't been able to place was. He smelled like the sky. He smelled the way air felt as it rushed around you, freeing and terrifying, and the most beautiful fucking thing you've ever okay, experienced. So I just wanted to bring this up. I think it's similar to what we were just talking about with like her noticing every element of him, but... This is typical of our immortal men that we love, right? Like they always like smell like the sky or like pine and wind or something like that. And I just, have you ever yeah. smelled a man and thought that he smelled like the sky? Because the only time I've ever noticed a man smelling like <laughs> anything, it was either Axe body spray or body odor. <laughs> and maybe it's like my gay side coming out, but I have never once smelled a man and been like, he smells like the wind. Nor have I. Yeah, no. Okay, just checking. No. Even like when I enjoy the smell, it hasn't been 
it hasn't been you know like a like an air, car air freshener <laughs> no yeah no this scent. is this is just like another this is just a classic at least current staple of the genre everybody smells and tastes like something that like they just obviously clearly never would smell like that and then we just kind of i think we just kind of like take it i am thinking now though well about the air freshener and how like in these worlds the like famous you know immortal vampires or fae or whatever would have their own like themed air freshener and so everybody would have like (laughs) the rain like air freshener that smells like the wind or like the rowan air freshener that smells like pine and like (laughs) yeah if it was like the 1990s or something So she's smelling him. She loves the smell. Mm-hmm. And she says she suddenly understood what it was like to be hungry, a la the vampires, because she's so into him. How empathetic of her. She's horny. She's horned up. Yeah. She's really horny. She sort of has the same realization again that she's like truly, truly, truly fallen for this person. She is not at all afraid of him, which is bad because, you know, again, the killing, whatever, whatever. She sort of like closes this little interaction saying, even more frightening than his desire was mine. I felt that call echoing in my own pulse. I had to resist the urge to lick his touch. Maybe it would taste as metallic and hot as blood. To lick? Yeah. Lick his touch? <laughs> no, it says to, re- to lick his touch from my fingertips. Because she, like, had her hand on his, like, sweaty chest. Oh, I see. So they then return to the same apartment. They do this classic thing where you know you shouldn't be doing something with someone else, where they just make up excuses as to why it would be safer. They were like, oh, it'd be, like, it's, like, too dangerous if we don't live in, if we don't cohabitate the (laughs) same apartment. So they're, like, together for several days, like, three days. They're getting really comfortable. They're sitting in silence together. Rain at one point leaves his door ajar so Araya can see him sleeping and she just like can't stop looking at how jacked he is. So presumably he's nearly naked and just sprawled out on the bed. But then maybe actually that turned out to be a dream and she wakes up from it. I like couldn't really tell and you know, dream sequences are not my thing, so I sort of just <laughs> moved on. So either that happened or it didn't happen. Or both. Who's to say? I don't know. Sure. It's all fiction anyway, you know, so at some level does it matter? No. And then we get to <laughs> like an odd, like a weird, one of the weirder things, I think, um, in this book, which is Rain starts cooking, which Misha had previously said he was good at, and Araya was skeptical because he's a vampire, and we know generally vampires lose their taste for food as they get older for human food, and I guess that's why they're into blood. Yeah, they do have other priorities. So she's suspicious. She's like, most vampire human food is not good. It's bland. But so he makes this stew, and as she tries the stew, her knees almost give out, like like, like she's having an <laughs> orgasm. Like, she's just, like, she feels weak in her knees <laughs> because yeah. it's so good. But we also get just a fantastic rain cringe, but also hot, unclear line. <laughs> and he just says, quote, that wasn't how I had imagined making you come for the first time. Ah, so he's imagined it. Yes. And then they're both like, uh, 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 imagine for the first time. Uh. I kind of am living for these chapters where 
they go from this banter where it's like all a joke, but like now it's not a joke. And so when something accidentally comes out like that, it's like way too intense and way too real. Yeah. I mean, this would do it for me, to be honest. For sure. This seems pretty hot. (laughs) It's very hot. No, but when I was reading this for the first time, I texted you, Will, about it. I was like, oh my God, like food based, like whatever. Like I'm, I was so hype about it. And then Dina, who was behind at the time when she read it, she texted us both about it. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, this is so hot. This is so great. And it's honestly just so funny because, you know, when you're reading it for the first time, like the tensions building. So like every you're just like going feral over like everything, everything. And now, (laughs) as we will later discuss, now that we finally got into some nutting, (laughs) Like, now that I'm reading this back, I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then I had to remember, like, the first time I read it, I was, like, panting. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) No, I still think this is one of my favorite lines of the book. And let me tell you, um, 2,159 people on Kindle agree with me because it's one of the most highlighted lines in the book. I know. That's so funny. Because this was one of the first ones that, like, pierced the, I don't know, the, like, veil of is it a joke or isn't it? Yeah. Okay, but next I do have – here's my question, though. Mm -hmm. We absolutely needed this food-based, like, orgasm journey. But why is he making the stew for Misha? He's going to make stew for Misha, who's, like, a vampire, who can appreciate the taste a little bit more because she's a younger vampire. But, like, I'm going to make a stew and then I'm going to fly, like, a hot cauldron of stew many miles to bring to her. I'm like, why isn't he just (laughs) cooking dinner for Araya? But anyways, that's just a small quibble. I had a similar thought and then I reread the next part, which we'll get to. And maybe we can see. I don't think he ever gives the stew to Misha in the book. There's, like, a vague (laughs) reference of it. But I also want to be clear that, like, when Araya is flying with him... Like, her hands are around his neck. Like, is she holding the hot cauldron? Like, who yeah. has the hot cauldron? <laughs> <laughs> who is carrying the hot cauldron what stew for many hours Hot cauldron logistics. <laughs> maybe maybe he has, like, a kind of... It, like, he read the vampire wire cutter, and there's, like, a little... Like, some sort of harness set up... Like, campfire backpack. Where you can backpack. just, like, throw it on, Something? and it just, like, holds a cauldron of hot stew. Yeah. We may never know. I do think... I just, I, we may never he's know. He's just doing this to show off. Yeah, but just, like, make dinner for a Yeah, good point. Good point. Whatever. speak true. It it was still nice. We still liked it. Yeah, it was TLDR hot. (laughs) It was really hot. Our cauldron of hot, hot sexual tension really (laughs) maybe boiling over. Wow. (laughs) Um, So I think our next episode is going to be serving up some spicy, hot, hot stew out of a flying (laughs) cauldron in the sky. <laughs> We'd love for you to email us at feywatchpod at gmail.com. Come say hi on TikTok and Instagram at feywatchpod. Rate us five stars if you want. Definitely subscribe. We really appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.